Welcome to the Gordon Asset Management Podcast, a show for savers, investors, and entrepreneurs, helping you to stay informed, invest wisely, and achieve the unimaginable. Now, on to the show. Welcome to another edition of the Gordon Asset Management Podcast. This is your host, Todd Zempel, and today I have with me Joe Gordon. Uh, today we have two very special guests, Kyle Wall and Stephen Knoll. Kyle and Stephen work on the uh, Target Date Fund team for Tia Naveen. Uh, Kyle, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Todd. Happy to be here. Uh, Kyle, why don't we start with you? Why don't you provide a little background on yourself and your position within Tia Naveen? Sure. So I've had uh, various uh, roles within asset management. Started out as an equity trader about 15 years ago and moved on towards an investing. And then most recently, I uh, have been with TIAA and Nuveen um, over the past six years, working mostly with and in the target date team. So I was really attracted to um, the asset allocation standpoint and building a full, a full portfolio. And so, um, you know, helping others get to retirement is, is kind of what we do. And um, my role specifically is as a client portfolio manager. So we're out there uh, when we could be on the road um, being uh, the mouthpiece for the portfolio managers, talking this, the strategy and helping uh, participants and employees really understand uh, what target date investing is all about and how it benefits them and helps them achieve their retirement goals. Perfect. Uh, Stephen, how about you? A little background on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you uh, as well, Todd, for having us on today. Uh, similar to Kyle, uh, I am the client portfolio manager uh, for the target date team here at Tia Nuveen. I've been with the firm just about six years as well. Um, this year, though, makes uh, my 30th year uh, in the industry. Uh, I got started uh, way back uh, as a money market broker, dealing with Fed funds, interest rate swaps, really got to know, uh, I guess, the building blocks of most markets, right? Getting to know the, the Fed fund policy, transitioned to an equity uh, analyst, uh, in the middle of the career and finally became a portfolio strategist, all leading up to working with this Target Day team. So I'm uh, very happy to be here and, and talk about what we do. Well, let's go ahead and get right into what you guys do. Uh, so the reason why we invited you to the show today is uh, we're big fans of what you're doing in the Target Date Fund space, uh, particularly within the uh, indexed Target Date Fund series. Now, if you don't mind, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the philosophy behind those funds um, and how they're structured? Yeah, I mean, the main philosophy behind our target date series is really balancing the dynamic risks that come with investing for retirement. And by that, I mean, you have to balance out the the market volatility or the, the risk of a downturn with the upside risk of you know not having enough, uh, not accumulating enough over your working years and even in your retirement years to live off um, your retirement nest egg and have that retirement income. So, you know, for us, it's a about balancing that risk and really having a consistent approach. So, um, you know, when we are going through those 40, 50, 60 years, obviously your your risks are going to um, they're they're going to change over time, right? So when you're a younger individual, you can have uh, more equity in your portfolio. Uh, you have more time to earn, and you have more time to uh, b- before you're going to retire. And as you age you know, really that 
starts you, you have to start to take down that that risk level and that volatility level and and protect against against downside. So, you know, what we offer there is again a consistent approach to balance out these risks that really over time you're going to get this well-managed, professionally managed portfolio that that will change as you age and provide an age-appropriate asset allocation throughout your entire life cycle. So, you know, for us that means not just stopping on the date of retirement. We actually continue to what we call glide or continue to change that asset allocation even 30 years post-retirement. Perfect. Now, one of the uh, big attractors for people um, when they look at your index target date fund series uh, is that they're extremely low cost. I mean, within the 40-act mutual fund, uh, I believe the expense ratio is 10 basis points or 0.10%, and you even have a cheaper version in the uh, collective investment trust. Um, but you're not the only guys doing this, right? There's other uh, index target date fund providers out there. Uh, Stephen, if you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, speak to the difference between uh, what you're doing versus some of the other index target date fund providers, please. Absolutely, Todd. I think that's a very important point. You know, uh, there's a lot of focus in the industry about fees and a race to you know, continue to bring down fees. We have always been focused on providing low fees, but we're not the only one doing that, right? So if you take a look at target dates, um, there really is no such thing as a passive target date, okay? Yes, the underlying funds will be indexes. However, each fund family out there has a very different asset allocation mix uh, so you're going to get different results. And if you actually compare us versus some of the big uh, index target date providers, we've been able to consistently put up strong relative returns because of that asset allocation mix. And there's a couple of differences between the way we approach it uh, and some of the others out there. I'll just highlight a couple of the differences, if you will. Um, the first has to do with the asset allocation between equity and, and fixed income, right? That's the main, what they call glide path, okay, or how that asset mix changes as you age. Well, we take an approach for younger individuals, um, really in their 20s and 30s, will have a slightly higher equity exposure than a majority of the index providers out there. And the reason for that is, if you think about someone who's young, um, they typically have a very low balance, right? Their their financial capital is very low. However, their human capital, right? The the net present value of all future earnings is large, right? They have their whole lifetime of earnings in front of them. So when you take a look at it from that perspective, right? If you get a big market drawdown in your 20s, uh, it's not really going to negatively impact you the time you reach your retirement, right? If you have, say, $2,000 and you lose a chunk of it, but you have 40 years to invest, you can make that up. Um, so the flip side of that is if you have a little more equity, then you can actually compound faster uh, because equities tend to outperform right, other asset classes. So you can take on that risk. So that's one difference between us and, and some of them. Uh, once you're at retirement, I think a very important aspect is um, the shape of the glide path, meaning the slope. We actually flatten out post-retirement where some of the others actually steepen. And why that's important, Todd, is because, you know, if you're at retirement, now your nest egg is big, right? And if 
as you're taking your money down through withdrawals, you hit a big market drawdown. If you're also selling the equities to move to fixed income too quickly, you could potentially lock in those losses and not recapture the eventual uptick in the in the value of the equity market. So those are two differences. There are other things we could get into um, about the underlying, right? It's not just equity fixed income. It's what's under the hood. But uh, I guess we'll stop there and, and see where else this goes. Yeah. So before we go under the hood, so to speak, uh, one last thing on fees. Uh, typically, one of your index fund provider uh, competitors has always been held out in these excessive fee lawsuits um, regarding retirement plans as the quote unquote vanguard good gold standard in terms of low cost and good performance. Uh, but lately, I've started to see your name show up in some of these lawsuits as a low cost, uh, good performing alternative. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, I saw that this week. I mean, it. Uh, you know, that's, it's nice to see in print. I mean, I, I think that just goes back to uh, offering that, you know, well-managed portfolio, professional portfolio, um, the way we kind of put it together to perform in all types of environments. I mean, the, the index funds have been around for 11 years. We've seen some ups and downs that um, they've been able to hold their own in the down market and, you know, perform in the up market. And so, um, you know, and do it for 10 basis points. So, uh, it's in kind of crazy how cheap that actually is when you say it out loud. Um, and so I think, you know, those that are looking at some of the other providers out there, or, or even I think they're coming after some of the custom stuff now, um, you know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to look at what we've done over the past uh, 11 to 15 years, depending on what, what, uh, what series you're using. And, um, justify maybe a lot higher expenses. So moving away from fees, obviously fees are important. Low fees mean that you are able to keep more of your own money. Uh, so that money has more time to compound. Uh, now let's go ahead and start looking under the hood with the target date fund series. Obviously you have three different flavors of target date funds. You have the active, you have the blend and you have the passive or index. Um, for today's purposes, let's just mostly focus on that passive suite. Um, but with that passive suite specifically, when we when we do start looking under the hood, um, I wouldn't say that it is totally passive. Is that correct, Kyle? Yeah. Yep. As you mentioned, um, we're mostly passive in that index series, and uh, I'll say that the active component is um, the our we we bring in uh, inflation linked bonds fifteen years prior to retirement to start um, combating some of that inflation risk as, as you age and. You know, we do have a fund in there that is our inflation-linked bond fund. It is technically an active fund, but it is managed tightly to its benchmark. And really, the, the purpose of that in there, having that in there is for the beta exposure. We're not really trying to generate a, a lot of alpha out of that. So uh, still able to provide low-cost passive index target date fund, um, but have that kind of uh, inflation exposure there. Um, the other exposures that we will have, again, this is going to be a fully diversified portfolio throughout. So we manage to five sectors. We have U.S. equities, international equities, core fixed income, short-term fixed income, and then that inflation-linked bonds that, that we spoke about. And one of the things that makes us maybe a little bit different from some of our competitors, and this is there's two philosophies on this, would be 
throughout our glide path, we're going to stay style consistent between for the equity portion. And by that, I mean, we're going to own the broad-based equity market in the U.S. and broad-based equity market in, in international and EM as well. The reason we stay consistent throughout from a style and size standpoint is really there's not a lot of consistency in what leads markets on the way up and what um, protects on the way down. I mean, we can use 2020 as an example. In 2020, you know, what was the most defensive stock out there? Well, it was large tech names. Why? Because those were the companies that benefited the most from a global lockdown and, and you know, all of us working from home. But if you look at, you know, past kind of downturns uh, and you look at 2000 tech bubble, what was the you know, least defensive stocks? Those were the large tech companies as well. So again, where the uh, call it economic downturn originates from is you know, generally leads the, the market down. And so that's why, you know, you don't want to kind of be overweight one style or the other, just because looking out into the future, the only thing that's certain is that the future is uncertain. And, and we think by saying the style consistent manner, you know, will help mitigate risk on the downside. Now on the upside, it's a, a similar story, right? Growth, um, you know, value outperformed in, in the 80s, growth outperformed in the 90s. It flipped again in the early 2000s, and for the last 10 years, you've seen growth outperform. But you know, we're not trying to time that market 20, 30, 40 years out. We we kind of understand that that is a fool's errand. What we want to do is provide a full, diverse, fully diversified portfolio and participate in whatever market environment uh, comes to us. So when market regimes change, we also are able to uh, perform in those market environments as well. So big picture, <clears throat> you guys set a strategic asset allocation um, and manage that, de-risking the portfolio through the glide path as people approach uh, retirement. Is there any tactical element to what you do? Yeah, thanks, Todd. Actually, uh, in our index series, we do not use tactical asset allocation, right? So we do offer, I think we're a bit unique in the industry um, that we offer three different series, all the same team, all the same philosophy. So we have a fully active we have an index series, and then we, we have a blend where we use active and passive. In the active and the active-passive blend, we use tactical. On this series, the index version, uh, we try and remain pretty pure uh, and just follow the glide path. So we do not use tactical. And even when we do tactical on the active side, um, we believe uh, in a modest approach. Right, so we're not going to swing for the fences. It's very difficult to get timing correctly. And I'll just use an example. Um, you know, uh, guy was just talking about value and growth. If you go back to the beginning of 2020 and you take a look at the valuation gap between growth stocks and value stocks, it was actually the widest it's been since the tech bubble. Right, something like a three standard deviation event, and what have you. Right. So from a tactical standpoint, you might have said, oh, this makes total sense. Let's go overweight value. And that would have been the dead wrong thing to do because value lagged big time uh, over this year. So when we do tactical, it's going to be modest. We're not going to swing for the fences. Um, and we typically don't do it in the passive series. I, I, I Actually, Todd, I, I just want to, since we went talked about under the hood, if I can, um, I think one of the other unique things um, – under the hood within fixed income, you, you highlighted the, the, the tips. I think most uh, target date fund families use tips 
What I think is a bit unique uh, is that we use a dedicated sleeve of short-term bonds. Okay, so some of the other index providers may not use dedicated short-term bonds. And that's really put in there from a perspective of that market risk, offsetting market risk, right? Preserving wealth. Uh, we actually have a study. We took a look at uh, various fixed income indices going back to their inception. Uh, and really, short-term bond is the only area that never put up a negative calendar year return going back over four years. Uh, so being able to protect the assets but do it in a way uh, by using a diversified fixed income index, a short-term fixed income index, uh, actually has produced uh, a decent return even when short-term rates were zero. So that is a, a little bit what we're talking about under the hood. you got to take a look. It's not just equity and fixed income. What are you using underneath the hood? Right, and that makes sense. Um, when we have these diversified portfolios uh, for, for investors, you always look to the bond portion of the portfolio to be the ballast. And one of the things that we see when we look under the hood with various target date fund providers is that, well, that ballast part of the portfolio in many instances is actually used to create alpha or outperformance by um, investing in fairly aggressive elements of the bond market. Um, But it does not appear that you guys do that. You view the bond portfolio as the ballast. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think especially when you are talking about using passive funds for your for your underlying allocations, there are more aggressive areas of the fixed income market where we believe that it makes a heck of a lot of sense to have a portfolio manager, an active portfolio manager, you know, underwriting those credits and, and actually purchasing those bonds rather than buying the entire index because Look, especially with bonds, you know, there's an asymmetric return where you can get maybe a little appreciation and the coupon, or you can default and lose close to everything, right? So in those areas, and I'm talking high yield, maybe emerging market debt, you know, those lend themselves more to high yield managers or active managers, sorry. Uh, whereas when we're talking about on the passive side, you kind of want to, we, we want to stay away there and again, use high quality fixed income. Um, to help mitigate some of that equity risk, I will say, you know, as Steve mentioned, our thoughts there are, yes, high quality fixed income, but stay diversified, right? So we're using both government securities and corporate securities because uh, different environments, uh, those two will will act differently. And so we don't want to be too overweight, you know, and just have U.S. Treasuries, for instance, that may have acted as a huge ballast over the past, call it 5, 10, 20 years, but now with rates so low, maybe you don't get the same kind of um, hedging or offset equity, uh, offsetting equity risk there uh, as you had in the past. So how how do you continue to you know mitigate some of the risk? We think going diversified and having all types of fixed income, albeit in the high quality space, when we when we're talking on our passive index series. Now let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk actual results. Now you guys have one of the best, if not the best performing index target date fund series out there. Um, And that's obviously recognized through a number of awards, including the uh, Lipper Awards. Um, Can you speak to your actual results and and some of the recognition that your firm has received over the past several years regarding the target date fund suite? Absolutely. So uh, thanks for recognizing the awards. Uh, We're very proud of those. Um, 
when you're mentioning Lipper Awards, uh, we were actually named Lipper's best um, mixed asset large fund company uh, five years in a row, right? So 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20. So I don't think it's ever been done two years in a row, much less five. And that, that really has to do with the consistency of the relative performance um, out there. Um, and snapshot in time is, is great. Right now, you can look at us and say, oh, I'm traveling one, three, five, ten year. Uh, you look great, right? Um, but what we do is we look at rolling returns. Um, you know, how do 401k participants invest? Well, they invest through monthly contributions. So how has each dollar that went into our fund done uh, how would they have been done in a, in a different series? So we look at that, and when you do that, you'll actually see uh, that our series has been able to provide better results on a rolling basis, a rolling one or three-year basis, going back to the inception of, of these funds, relative to um, the big uh, target date uh, index providers out there. Um, so... You know, that consistency, I think, has a lot to do with the long tenure of the team. Um, we have really the average tenure for our team is, uh, if not the longest tenure, uh, it's one of the longest tenure in the space. So they've gone through the markets. They bring a lot of experience to uh, the table here. Um, so, you know, I, I think that has led to some recognition in awards, but also flows. Right? So... We, over the past three or four years on the mutual fund space, the target dates, we've been the top three um, net flow provider uh, out there. So pretty consistent. A lot of that has to do with the recognition that we are available uh, in the corporate space. Uh, we may not have touched on this, but uh, we did get started. TIA was in the not-for-profit space uh, when we purchased New Bean Asset Management six years ago that really opened up the door to the corporate space. And what we saw was a really a great uptake. Uh, and that is where a majority of our flows are going are to the corporate space because they're now available uh, broadly. Uh, and once people see how strong the investment management arm of TIA is and what we've, uh, what we've been able to provide, uh, we've been winning a lot of mandates. Now, big picture, you have a number of listeners to this podcast. Some may use your target date funds. Um, some may be thinking about using your target date funds. What are the handful of takeaways you would like for folks to think about when they think about the Tia Nuveen uh, target date fund series? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, think, I think there's been a general theme that we, we've hit on um, today, and that is you know, providing a, a consistent, consistent results in from a consistent portfolio um, and having not a lot of ups and downs where that we're, we're a, a steady, steady portfolio that balances the right risks. You know, we bring a lot to the table. You know, Steve mentioned kind of the, the merger, but TIAA having that retirement heritage founded a hundred years ago by Andrew Carnegie to help teachers get to uh, live a, a retirement with dignity. And that has, gone over for the past hundred years and and comes into you know the, the heart and soul of our target date funds and by that you know we are looking out into the future trying to design a resilient portfolio to um, produce uh, retirement outcomes in all sorts of different markets um, you know having to have that forward-looking design not really um, 
trying to optimize for what just happened, but build a portfolio for what could happen. And then having a strong client alignment, you know, we uh, talked about how fees aren't the only thing, but they are important. Our, our life cycle index funds offered at 10 basis points for a you know, professionally managed portfolio. But also an important part uh, of what we do is we, act, we believe in eating our own cooking. Uh, and by that, I mean, our portfolio managers are, are significantly invested in their own target date vintage. And so they're invested alongside um, our employees or, or your employees and, and participants in our funds. So with all that, all that leads to the accolades and the awards and the, and the performance. But really, you know, having that kind of consistent approach with a, the long tenured team um, and, and doing it the right way, um, I think, has really been a driver of our success. Joe, you've been exceptionally quiet this podcast. Do you have any questions? I don't even have my first question. You guys have done such a good job. I, I think the <laughs> one thing that I was gonna what I was gonna comment was that it isn't any wonder that you're getting all your flows from the for-profit sector because you pretty much own the not-for-profit sector. There probably wasn't much left uh, there to, to to pick up off the ground. So uh, I think it's been a great thing that uh, you brought your expertise into the for-profit space, particularly the 401k and the target date arena and and uh, we've enjoyed the fact that when nine out of 10 people say they want passive and the only word they know how to spell is we say, well, there is somebody better in the space. They're well known for taking care of teachers uh, and other not-for-profits uh, for the last hundred plus years. And then once they start to listen, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Oh, wow, they're cheaper. OK. I mean, it's not it's not it's a little more deep discussion than that, but it's actually uh it's interesting that so many people are brainwashed, and you can credit for that, uh, that they think that's the, the best and the only option. And uh, once they listen a little bit uh, in particular and look at the data, then they see there is a compelling case for someone else. And so that's, that's, been, that's a good feather in your cap. Totally agree, Joe. Now, folks, that'll do it for today. We appreciate you listening in. Uh, if you would like more information about Tia Nuveen, just go to nuveen.com, N-U-V-E-E-N.com, or feel free to reach out to our firm via our website, wealthqb.com. Thanks, folks, and thanks, Kyle, Steve, for joining us today. Information in this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Gordon Asset Management LLC, its producers, hosts, or guests. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Gordon Asset Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.